Hi, my name is Father Stephen Beatty, and this is Social Distancing. Episode 6, Anything for Richard. This is my friend, Father Stephen. Father Stephen is the priest at St. Kateri Catholic Church in Ridgeway, Illinois, where he has been since 2010. When I spoke to Father Stephen a few weeks ago, a lot was still up in the air. At that time, the limit on gatherings was 10 or less, and he was wrestling with whether or not it was still reasonable to try to hold Mass in person. Could he just do it with 10 people at a time and do it multiple times a day? Here's a clip from a message he sent out from inside his church on March 17th. Hey, y'all. I'm about to have the 6.30 Tuesday night Mass, which I'm afraid will be the last public Mass we can have for a while. Don't have a lot of details to give you now, but those will be forthcoming. It's a mega bummer. And I just want to let you know I miss you and I love you. And... I want to stay in touch by any means possible. I've heard some some Catholics asking, like, where's our courage? Uh, martyrs and saints in the past, like, they risked their lives or died rather than give up on the celebration of the Mass. And I love the passion and zeal in that question, but we do have to make a distinction. You cannot compare uh, the denial of Christ under persecution with something like this, which is a voluntary, temporary, suspension in our Sunday obligation out of love for our brothers and sisters. So this is an expression of faithfulness and of charity. Uh, so many of our great saints have stories that include risk to themselves of uh, uh, ministering to the sick in, in times of scary diseases. And let's remember, there's a lot of that going on today, right now. Um, doctors, nurses, and, and others who are putting themselves in harm's way to care for the sick. So. To you and to anyone else who's at risk for any reason, we pledge our support and our prayers. And in addition to uh, just words and in addition to prayers, we want to do what can be done, uh, which in this case is, is a pretty painful thing, but uh, we hope it'll help keep others safe. I asked Father Stephen why he felt it was important to articulate that message to his parish. Yeah, I think... I mean, kind of one of the foundational principles that I just bring to the question is living our faith should, if we're thinking about it correctly, it's never a balancing act. So if we find ourselves where I feel a pull, like, okay, how much should I be faithful and how much should I, like, compromise with, quote, reality or, or any kind of thought process like that, I think as a Christian, you know you're on the wrong track. Because if we're thinking about it properly, we're always thinking about maximum faithfulness, maximum courage. Um, like fidelity to Christ and following his will just as best as we can possibly figure it out in the tangle of our minds, hopefully aided by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> um, but not always able to presume that we're personally infallible about things, you know. So what does it mean to be maximally faithful? And I think that's where some people are coming in and saying, well, it means that we fill up the churches and standing room only and cough on each other. And if we all die, we die. And if God miraculously protects us, you know, that's that's his will. Mm. But we're going to keep being, like, we're going to keep gathering in worship. I think some Catholics um, particularly might have that kind of feel because we have such a strong sense of the Sunday obligation as part of 
just keeping the commandment to keep the Sabbath holy. Catholics really emphasize that, you know, you, you can't keep the Sabbath holy just by, you know, sitting on a log and watching the sunset. Like, that's great to do. Any kind of communion with, with the Lord is good. But biblically, it's got to be corporate, you know? Like, we we are the body of Christ and we worship as the body of Christ. And so you take that lifetime of formation that we have to get together to be the church. <laughs> and then you say, okay, we're not going to get together for now. And it's pretty shocking. But I do think there's a, a fundamental difference between, say, you know, denying Christ because someone's putting some sort of pressure or coercion on you, which we would never support, and saying that, like, you know, the, that obligation that we usually make such a big deal out of, it's not totally absolute. And we already know that because it's it's always been the case, and, and I don't know any Catholic who has a problem with this, that if you're contagious with the flu, you don't come to Mass that, that day. And, and I don't know any Catholic who would argue with that. And to me, this is a very straightforward continuation of that because the whole idea with this situation is that, well, you very well may be contagious and you wouldn't mm. know it. And so we're, we're just doing that, like... I love the zeal and the the drive to martyrdom, but I think in this case it's misplaced. Mm, yeah, it's it's interesting. I've seen a lot of across the country a lot of highly evangelical churches using the language and the rhetoric of if we don't come to church, then it's out of fear that that God cannot do a work in this place. And the word that just kept coming to mind, and you said it, just this misplacement or this mis misguidedness that we're kind of missing the point if if our whole focus is on is on that and not on the body that that God has placed us in. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's, at some level, there's an element of not putting the Lord your God to the test, you know? Like, I think, and I don't, I don't think this is anyone's intention, but what you might be doing unintentionally there is basically going in for that. I had actually never met Father Stephen until February 20th, 2019, when he led the funeral mass for my grandfather, Richard, who I always called Papa. The interaction that day was brief and somber. My parents and I grew up going to a Baptist church in a neighboring town, so I never really got to experience Papa's religiosity. Father Stephen gave the eulogy for Papa, and the way he spoke of his dedication to the church, his service to that community, and his love for the people in that parish surprised me. Not because I thought Papa was a bad person. No, it was just a more reserved and unspoken side of Papa I didn't know very well. And so I asked Father Stephen if he'd share a story with me about a side of Papa that he had seen that I didn't know about. The two things that stick out to me about him were, one, when we were building the church, we've got a fairly new Catholic church in Ridgeway that was finished in 2015. And that followed the destruction of the church that had been here um, that was destroyed by a tornado in 2012. And so between the two, we were building, and it was a it was a long construction project. And Richard would come during that project, during the building, he would come, so far as I know, every day, <laughs> virtually every day. That doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah, his white van would come, and he would just, like, back in, to the ball field parking lot across the street and just watch, you know, like for a while. He, he saw more construction of the church than anyone else who wasn't actually building the thing, which, you know, more than me. <laughs> <when I'm pastor. laughs> 
Uh, and I just thought that was interesting, you know, and I wondered what that experience was like for him. And I know, I know it was a, it was a prayerful thing, you know, it wasn't just like, well, I'm curious about construction methods. It was, um, and I think I, I really believe that for him, that was about more than a building. It was about building, building the church in a more figurative and profound way, you know, but th- there was just a, a fascination there that he, he saw that building developing and, the hopes he had for it and the delight he was taking in it it was really his you know he felt like it belonged to him the way it belongs to all of us but he really felt that one of the things that that always stuck out to me the most about papa was he had never met a stranger and and i can only imagine in those times when and i can i can picture it vividly him parked in that van um Anytime someone would pull up just to come and check on it. Ridgeway is not a big town by any stretch of the imagination. And I can only imagine that that anytime somebody pulled up, he found a way to have a 45 minute long conversation with with that person um, and just and just beaming with pride um, in, in what was to come in that space. And he was a he was an interesting mix of on one hand, like you said, that, you know, the his spiritual side wasn't something that was necessarily worn on the outside all the time. That was my experience too, except that like when the time came, he would, he'd just call me and um, like before anyone else, before word had got to me from anyone else, usually he'd call me and say like, you know, I'm in the hospital. Could you come see me or do you have time to talk? Then it would get real. And, and that's why I know like whether it was watching the church go up or his incredibly faithful attendance at mass, there was some profound faith there. And his his health struggles were like so long, you know. I mean, he was in and out of the hospital. And, and then it, it, even to the point where I'd get a message that, well, Richard, Richard Moore's in Feral Hospital, and my heart would just sink like, not again, Richard. You know, you just mm-hmm. got home. <laughs> um, and when I'd see him there or visit him at home when he was at home, uh, which wasn't much at the end there, but he just, I mean, he wasn't someone who was like totally at peace and resigned. But like in a good way. I mean, he he loved his life. He loved the people around him and his community and all the friends that he was always talking to. And uh, yeah, some some people approach death with just this not apathy, but just a real resignation. And and I think he was always kind of on the borderline between being resigned that his life was probably going to come to an end soon, but also a little a little like you know I want to be I want to be right with the Lord and. I don't think he doubted his salvation or the mercy of Christ, but I think he felt the, the press of time there a little bit. So we would just try and talk about, you know, hey, man, Jesus is going to take care of you, you know, <laughs> and I think he really believed that. I imagine that that being a a pastor of a church, one of the one of the hardest parts of it is is dealing with people when death is imminent. <laughs> um, yeah. What brings you hope or um, solace in those times? Like as the as a pastor in the room, yeah, yeah. As, well, even just as like a person, just like a person who has an emotional spectrum, who you know, as a pastor, you know, it's it's obviously kind of your job to be the the strong one in the room, but you're also a human being with emotions and feelings and and desires. And I I, I wonder what that feels like in moments like that, where you're sitting in someone's house for maybe the last time. It's a it's it's an extraordinarily privileged time of grace usually and it's very unusual that it that it isn't like to it's not it's not something we're like oh man this is such a hard thing to be going through and to it's so hard to see and hard to witness like it is for 
you know, if it's if, if it's my parents, it's going to be that way. Um, but if you're at a little bit more distance, even if it's somebody you love and care about a lot, it's I don't know. I'm just I I just think about them and the Lord, and they're about to go home. And when people are surrounded by love, and even if it's tough for them, there, there's not many times in life where you feel grace more strongly. And there's a there's a beauty to that. The one the the times it's really tough is this is this is unusual but every once in a while somebody will just really be tormented and fearful and that's hard to take because it, it's my job as a priest to get them to trust the lord you know <laughs> and uh if if there's something they need to make peace with and ask forgiveness for like fine like do it but then trust his mercy and when people are in their last minutes and, or hours and seem not able to do that that's tough, but that's unusual. Well, I appreciate your candor here. I, I want to end on a little, a little bit more of a lighter note. As we, as we think about people who are, who are sitting at home, stir crazy, bored to death, they're anxious and feeling isolated. What, what words of wisdom do you have for people who are practicing social distancing right now to, to find joy and to find peace in this time? Oh man, um, I think, and, and this is something that so many people are saying in their own ways and it just boils down to like don't waste time every minute that we're living right now is still a gift from god it's his his grace isn't limited by this and his call for our lives isn't limited by this and so i really love what a lot of educators are saying and sort of life coach type people about you know use the time to improve yourself and learn some spanish or work out or you know see how many push-ups you can do by the time this is over that's all i'm that's awesome. I'm on board with that. How many push-ups are you up to at this point? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going on the record. <laughs> but as people of faith, um, I think even more so, it's like, all right, this is this is happening. So God's got something for me right now. And none of this time should be wasted. And I just think this could be a great desert experience. This is um, for a lot of Christians are celebrating Lent right now. This is uh, kind of Lent to the nth degree, <laughs> but we do that because it's good. Yeah, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook recently that said, well, I didn't expect to give up quite this much for Lent. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. Here's a question, and you don't have to answer this if, if this makes you uncomfortable. What, what, what are you watching on Netflix right now? Like, what are you, what are you doing that, um, that, that would surprise people? In this time of like, you know, I'm I'm feeling a little bored. I'm feeling a little stir crazy. Let's put on Queer Eye. Let's put on Cheer. What's what's your show or something that you're doing to find just joy and pleasure in your in your own isolation? So I'm trying to pick up the guitar once in a while, and I'm looking forward to doing some painting. But I think what would actually be the surprise part is that I can't answer your question because these have been a couple of the busiest days I've had in a long time. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause, and I thought when it happened, I thought like, oh, man, I'm going to have so much time on my hands. Uh, what I didn't count on was that everyone else now has nothing to do except email and Facebook <laughs> message and text. And, and, and everybody has ideas about, like in a beautiful way, though, like everyone has ideas about, okay, how are we going to be church right now? And so I'm trying to figure out all kinds of technological things and calling around to people. And so like, man, I'm, I'm busy and I'm really happy to to report that. And it's so cool that, that in times like this, people are inspired to, to find ways to not lose that feeling that they get from, 
regular corporate worship that they're finding ways to to be a part of the 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 liturgy that they've grown to love and grown to appreciate and miss when it doesn't happen. You did Facebook Live with with Mass recently, yes? Yeah, last night. How did that go? It was it was just beautiful. I, we had a couple hundred people tune in. I think you're right. They love that connection to the liturgy. Um, I think they also love the connection to each other. Because if it was mm. just them watching me, I don't know if it would be nearly as special. It's the fact <laughs> that they know that all the people that they're, they're usually around them in the pews are connected to. And to watch, I even encourage them to, if they were at a keyboard and if it wouldn't distract them from prayer, like totally optional, but just encourage them to type the responses. And so I'd say the Lord be with you. And all and the responses wow. come up in the comments one after another. And it was just neat to see all those names and wow. know that we were together in prayer. What are ways that people can can stay in touch with what you're doing um, at St. Kateri? Okay, so what we're most active on right now is... Facebook, which I hadn't been on for years, and I decided now's the time to come back. Yeah, if, if you find Sanctuary in Ridgeway, Illinois, on on Facebook, that's where most of the action is happening. And I wish there was for people who aren't on Facebook. I'm, that's what I'm working on. You know, how can mm. we reach out to them more? That platform's kind of where most of it's happening right now. Father Stephen, thank you so much for your time. This has been this has been really cool to hear how your work is still happening even in the midst of all of this chaos thank you for sharing and thank you for your time i really appreciate it all right matthew it's great great to talk to you if you have an extra minute it would really mean a lot to me if you shared this podcast with your friends on social media my hope with this show is that i can bring just a little bit of joy and inspiration to the world and if you've experienced that yourself i hope you'll let people know thanks for listening we'll have a new episode up on Saturday.